Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Of course, we've been watching the fallout from the leak of the Supreme Court draft opinion by Justice Samuel Alito. Uh, that could potentially overturn Roe v. Wade. Uh, all of that fallout continues to fall out. And in the wake of the leak, there are a couple of important and very distinct conversations which the country really should be leaning into. The national debate over possible ramifications of such a ruling should foster some real crucial conversations in society. Conversations about life, about choice, about women's health. Moral relativism, family, social safety nets, adoption, at-risk youth, uh, just to name a few. There's countless. Unfortunately, uh, the result of the leak has been the fomenting of anger and angst, fear and frustration, false choices and contempt, political rancor and partisan rhetoric, rather than the more important conversation of fostering deeper dialogue on some of these crucial issues. Now, there should also be a conversation, a separate conversation relating to the leaked draft opinion and the need for integrity, the need for trust, the need for restraint in institutions and individuals. So I'm going to ask you for a moment to separate the leak itself from the opinion draft content and the possible implications that go with that. Uh, those are both very important conversations to be had, but they must be had separately. So I want to focus for this segment just about the leak itself. In the Supreme Court of the United States, the coin of the realm is trust. It's all about trust. That's the currency of the Supreme Court. They have to be able to have trust. Now, sadly, leaks controversy, clickbait, that has become the currency of way too many politicians, a whole lot of partisans, and way too many media organizations for that matter. And I really believe that assessing which coin and which currency is of greater value to the American society is going to determine whether or not our future freedom hangs in the balance. So there are pundits and partisans and media members that have focused on the repercussions, again, of overturning Roe in order to justify the leak. Now, from all the early assessments, it appears the leak likely came from one of the clerks. There are exactly 36 clerks in the Supreme Court. It should not take them too long to figure that out. Now, there have been a, a number of folks who have jumped on the bandwagon that the clerk was brave to leak the document. 
and that Politico, as a news outlet, was right to publish it. And that's where things get interesting, in my view. Uh, Some have made the case, quite emphatically, that it was a no-brainer for the journalist to put that forward and for Politico to publish it. And, of course, watching members of the news media do that, that's completely unsurprising and unremarkable uh, that journalists would say, oh, yes, this is this is it. Uh, I think there's much more to it. I think there's a lot of nuance, nuance that we have to get to. Because I do believe that reporters and editors have to include in their calculus the impact on institutions. Now, I know there are many in the media who dispute that. Uh, and they often use this as the argument. They'll say that there shouldn't be any concern about protecting institutions that journalists cover. Because if we do that, then we miss out on things like Watergate and the Pentagon Papers. Where journalists did just that. But to be really clear, writing a first draft opinion is not a national security breach or cover-up. Nor is it an impeachable offense. So there really was no legitimate reason to undermine the credibility and moral authority of the court by circulating a leaked draft. Writing those kind of drafts for and against every single ruling that ever comes out of the Supreme Court is the job of a Supreme Court justice. And I think the court's the last civil institution which maintains a positive balance of trust from the American people. And I firmly believe that the price of these trust withdrawals from the trust bank account that the leaker and Politico are going to prove very costly, costly to our society. Supreme Court Chief Justice John Roberts called the leak a singular and egregious violation of trust. Roberts inferred that it was not an act of bravery, but a betrayal to the branch of government where surely trust is the coin of the realm. So, again, this is not Watergate, uh, but there are some lessons from Watergate that I think apply. Uh, Many of you may recall a few years ago, I interviewed multiple times legendary journalist Bob Woodward, who was part of Watergate. (laughs) He was the journalist. And as we convened several times, uh, we were preparing for an event in Washington, D.C. that I would serve as the moderator on. At the museum in Washington, Uh, the event, ironically, was called Integrity and Trust. And there were three words that Bob Woodward repeated to me so many times I stopped counting during the course of these interviews. He said, restraint always works. And he shared how he and his partner regularly wanted to run the Watergate story early on in in their investigation. And their editor, thankfully reiterated the need for them to do more work, more investigation, more sources, more dialogue, rather than just rushing. Uh, Just because you can do something doesn't mean that you should. Restraint always works. It's interesting, in the Politico piece, they noted, without really acknowledging, that this was the first time in our nation's history that an opinion of the court had been linked and published before a ruling had been rendered. So that precedent in and of itself suggests restraint matters and that trust is vital to the judicial discussion. 
And it should be noted that not only has the Supreme Court not rendered a decision in the leaked opinion case, we have to remember the Supreme Court has a number of high-profile, crucial cases to decide over the next six weeks, including rulings on religious liberty, affirmative action, and the Second Amendment, just to name a few. And so think about it this way. Absent trust, it will be extremely difficult to have candid conversations and rigorous debate between the nine justices. How can they possibly have a real discussion in the absence of trust? The justices are likely to be less candid, more guarded, less open-minded, and more defensive. With the cloud that a comment that they offer might end up as a headline the next day on a website or on the front page of some publication. And here's the real sad tragedy of it all, that a void in trust actually prohibits persuasion and enlightenment from occurring. And our judicial system demands such trust and such conversations occur inside the court and between the justices. So where there's a lack of restraint uh, and an undermining of trust, uh, where that leads our country, it matters. It worries me a lot. Uh, I've said it before today. We've stress-tested our democracy in civil war, in economic collapse, in race riots, assassinations, world wars, pandemics. But we have never tested our democracy in the absence of trust. Trust in institutions, trust in leaders, and most importantly, trust in each other. Those things are required if we want this constitutional republic of ours to continue and endure. And so we, we have to resist that instant access to information, that race to judgment, instant certainty. We often fail to remember that restraint always works. The national media, political pundits, each of us individually... As we're on social media, we all could benefit from a little more restraint. And we could also use a little more thinking in terms of what's best for the country. And how do we actually move the country forward? So the big thing for me is for all of us to remember, restraint always works. Asking what is best for those you lead or serve or love will make the nation richer in the coin of the relationship realm that matters most. That's about trust. I'm Boyd Matheson. Thanks for joining us on Inside Sources today here on KSL News Radio. And as always, as you go out into the world, see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, and do something that makes a difference. Utah's choice for 100 years. Challenger, go and throw up. We are calling it iPhone. Station for breaking news, traffic and weather together, and conversation about important stories. KSL FM Midvale, KSL Salt Lake City. Thank you for 100 years of trust from KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. 
Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.